I don't know if Jordan Love can do that in his first full year in control of this offense. We'll see. Nick, I do have a question for you, though. What bowl game did he play in against Kent State? The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. <laughs> there you go. And who was the other quarterback in that game? Dustin Crum. And, and who, who won, won that game? game? The Kent State Golden Flashes, baby! Give I me I the under. I fight song. Well, put Just it in post. It. Put it in post. Speaking of being a morning started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time for another episode of the Gridiron Podcast. This is episode seven of everybody's favorite podcast they just don't know about yet. I'm Nick Shook. That's Katie Caldwell. There's Sean Berry. And down in the corner, beneath me, if you're watching on Twitch or YouTube or you watch it later, you're watching it live now, feel free to jump in the chat. That is none other than Fox Sports own Carmen Vitale. Carmen, how are you? Welcome to the show. Um, I'm fantastic. That little montage, though, do you guys know that I was a part of it? You were? Oh, you yeah, have, that's right. You have a video of you cheersing the Wingstop Cup from the party right. yeah. 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 at the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. Miami oh. before the world went to, you know what. Oh, that's yeah, that amazing. Was, so, that was the final moment I saw that four little- times. I brought what? that up in the, the, the pre-podcast text. I'm like, oh, can I reference the time we literally bumped into g and you and I were like, oh, my God, that's g And Nick was like, who is that? Yeah. I mean, I just, like, oh, no, just you, like it was you two. You two were like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, we were oh, freaking out because we, like, quite literally physically bumped into him. Yeah. Also, yeah. Saquon Barkley, I remember. Like, true. there was yes. so many. And do you remember Jason Momoa's uh, stunt double? No. I don't remember that oh, one. Yeah. No. Oh, there was a Jason Momoa stunt double. Yeah. No, it was. Um, that was a hilarious night. Absolutely, just insane night. Who did we see that night? Uh, Rick I Ross. Just rem- yeah, it was Rick yeah. Ross and Chainsmokers. Uh, Chainsmokers. Oh. I just remember Nick. At one point, you're like, "Hey, don't be obvious. Just look over your right shoulder." It's Saquon Barkley, but don't be <laughs> obvious, man. And then the <laughs> stage like- we were standing on broke. Like five yeah. minutes later, we oh, almost uh, we all yeah. almost maybe died or at least suffered bodily harm together long before we did this podcast together. Katie, I'm sorry you weren't there. Katie, <laughs> yes, I, I didn't mean to disclose you, but I just I was that was a fun little Easter egg. Yeah, I am was... enjoying every second of this. I could listen to this for 25 more minutes, so just go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got some stories. Oh, night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, welcome to the Gridiron Podcast. This is a podcast where Carmen, in case you aren't familiar, we, I mean. I, I can understand if you weren't. Uh, we discussed two things, football and Formula One. Now, I, I want to ask you before we even get to the football side, how up to speed, pun unintended, honestly, I just hate myself wow. for saying that now. Wow. Are, you, are you on F1? Very. No, uh, I had, once I saw Driver to Survive a couple seasons ago now, mm-hmm. yeah, two or three seasons ago, I was like, oh my God, I love this. And I decided though, that it was going to be something that I was going to purely enjoy and not try to like, work in commentate on like i am in it as purely a fan and i never want to be anything else but yeah i love it I'm, you're I'm on the wrong come. podcast for that i know <laughs> i know i just like happened to just stumble upon like onto welcome a to the commentary the world of formula one <laughs> 
Oh, I'm stressed. Dad. That's so funny you say that because when I discovered Formula One also through Drive to Survive, I was like, finally, I have a sport that I won't work in. I just want to enjoy as a fan because so much yeah. of that has been taken away. And then I joined their podcast as a guest. And at the end of it, Nick was like, and Katie's going to be our third co-host. And I was like, oh, no. Don't tell Carmen that now. She's going to leave the chat and like now. I was going to say, like, nope, yeah, he's just... out. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yes, no, now we'll be in good fun, and I'm not trying to like climb to the top of like Formula One commentary. I think no, it'll be okay. No. It'll, it'll be okay. You have That's... a favorite driver or team yet, though? Oh yeah, I was the McLaren fan. Am a McLaren fan. Um, there we go. There we go. I'm really, I do have a soft spot for underdogs always, and I think they've become somewhat of an underdog at this point. And I just. I fell in love with McLaren because of Daniel Ricciardo. Like, I'm not going to lie. He was, I'm just like, oh, he's cute. Um, I did the whole girly thing. Like, huh, that's fun. But also, I really like McLaren's. Like, I think McLaren, the cars are just so cool and so unattainable. So I was like, I'm not going to, if I'm going to root for a team in Formula One, it's not going to be like Mercedes because, like, that's, um, um, or even like Red Bull, which, you know, Honda engines. I'm like, I drove a Honda at the time when I became a fan. So I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm going to get something like if, if this is a fantasy world I'm living in, I'm, I'm backing McLaren or maybe I, I would go towards like Aston Martin or anything like that. So, but, so your, fan- your fantasy is really sad right now is what you're saying. It is, which is just so incredibly fitting, but it's fine. Dan <laughs> Ricardo is now going into the world of F1 commentary and I can't hear, wait to hear what he has to say. Well, the the debut of that was not good. Let me tell you. If you ask anybody mm. now, I don't think any of us watched a lot of it, but it has been universally panned by critics. Two thumbs down. Roger Ebert gives. Uh, what was that? What was it called, guys? Uh, I mean, how memorable it was. <laughs> I don't think it would. I don't think they did a good job marketing it. So yeah, I have no idea, man. Yeah, I think he might be on a track uh, sooner than than we think. But we're gonna go over to the NFL. Right. We'll save that stuff for later, since that's a sport. Well, maybe you can stick around. We'll see what you want to do. But we're going to jump into our training camp previews right away with the expert on the NFC North. Uh, Carmen covers the entire division for Fox Sports. If you haven't read her work, you've likely likely seen her somewhere online, even today. You know, today wasn't the only podcast Carmen's going to show up on. She showed up on a much larger one than ours. You know, Mina Kimes from ESPN happens to host one and just happens to. And Carmen just happened to be there. So, if anything, this is going to feel like reps for her at this point, I would imagine. Is that correct? More reps you can get, the better. And and to peek behind the curtain a little bit, Mina and I recorded that last week. So, uh, oh, well, there you good. go. <laughs> well, we, do, we like, do have to sincerely thank you, though, for quite literally slumming it with us tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, anytime. You guys are my friends, and I love doing things with friends. That's the best thing. That's the best time. And which is, again, it made, it made me his podcast great. Like, it's so much easier when you're you're on with friends so that's that's i'm always up for doing it with friends. i agree i agree sean would you like to tell carmen the format we follow here with these divisional previews sure so what we're going to do is we're going to break down the four teams in the <laughs> nfc north we are going to go through their schedules real quick and then we're going to go around the room around the screen uh and i'm just going to give an over under of wins prediction uh these are made up numbers, just what I feel. This is this is the Sean Barry sports book. I don't take these numbers from anywhere. Um, but oddly enough, as Nick mentioned last week when we started our division preview, they were pretty accurate last season, and I will brag about that. So we're gonna do the NFC North tonight. Before we get into the NFC North, though, I do have to ask, we did the NFC South last week, 
And because the Bucks are so near and dear to your heart, you got a Ryan Jensen jersey hanging up in the background. I we did. had the Bucks at over under six and a half. Real quick, what do you have them at? Um, now that I'm away from the team and I can just be a fan of theirs too, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go be very irresponsible and go over because I want to see those guys succeed. I want to see my guys succeed. Um, still have a lot of good friends and relationships on that team, in that front office, on that coaching staff. And I want to see my guys do good. And if there's any division that's as wide open as the NFC North, it might just be the NFC South. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Carmen, I have to ask you one thing before we move actually to the NFC North. Um, You've seen those clips. I'm sure that everybody has been very happy to spread throughout the interwebs of Baker Mayfield. It wasn't me. Baker Mayfield. Well, just like the bad question in the locker room wasn't you, even though your mic flag was there, Sean. You know, uh, you can oh, always yeah. claim I got, innocence. I got blamed yeah. for that Gio Bernard thing last season. Yeah, yeah, you can always. <laughs> someone, so someone, there, I you wasn't were not me. a part of that. I know exactly who was a part of that. You were not. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't even at the game that night. I had the day off, and everyone's like, this is Sean Barry. I'm like, I, I, no, it's not. No, it is not. You were like, I was at the beach. Not me. Um, the quarterback thing. Carmen, uh, the bad clips of Baker Mayfield and, and Kyle Trask missing their tight ends. I uh, I hope you haven't put too much stock in that, right? I mean, you're obviously very plugged in there. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's OTAs, it's minicamp. Uh, for all intents and purposes, Kyle Trask is new. Like, he did not get any reps with the ones the entire time I was there up until this point. He's still learning a bunch of a bunch of the guys, and then some of these guys are new too that they're throwing to. So I just it's a matter of getting on the same page. You can't put any stock into what happens in minicamp and OTAs. Uh, once you get into training camp, you're installing your actual offense, you're installing plays, all that kind of stuff. That's when I would start to be concerned. But as of right now, it's a pitch and catch, and you're trying things out. He's learning how you know many paces these guys go before they turn. They're learning him, his ticks, all that kind of stuff between him and Kyle Trask. So we'll see. How else will we fill the off-season content mill? I mean, I, I know, I know. You mean, overreacting don't take to a couple of unfortunate. Yeah. Hey, let's. Just, hey, there are reporters down here that know how to get clicks. I'll at least give them that. Uh, sure. Hey, yeah, we'll we'll take that and just say uh huh and move on to the <laughs> NFC North, where Carmen is now comfortably covering from Chicago. And Sean, you can start it off. Pick your Sweet. team of choice. I don't know if we start in Chicago since that's yeah, I was where Carmen say, is. Yeah, her home base. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. Finished sure. with the number one overall pick last season. Uh, traded away very smartly, I might add, because uh, they didn't have a need for a quarterback. Although there was speculation, you know, do you go get Bryce Young? Do you get C.J. Stroud? Um, no. Uh, so anyway, here's their schedule for the Chicago Bears at home against Green Bay on the road down here in Tampa on the road to Kansas City. Then back at home against Denver road against Washington. Uh, at home against Minnesota and Vegas. Then a two-week road trip to Los Angeles and New Orleans, home against Carolina. Another two-week road trip to uh, Detroit and Minnesota. And then a week 13 bye week. That is a long stretch before the bye week. Uh, then at home against Detroit, playing for the second time in a month, on the road to Cleveland, at home against Arizona and Atlanta, and then finally wrapping it up in the frozen tundra on January 7th against Green Bay. Uh, I had them down for six and a half. Over under six and a half. Who wants to start? Let's go well, with the guest. Yeah, yeah, let's go with the guest. Sorry. <laughs> Chivalry, Sean. Um, my God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I am still going to go under. 
on this because the success for the I keep saying this over and over again. Success for the Chicago Bears does not look like wins this year. Success for the Chicago Bears looks like a productive offense. And that was where their focus was this entire offseason. They shored up every unit around Justin Fields that they possibly could to leave him without excuses. So now you can get a firm evaluation on whether or not he's your quarterback of the future. So I don't think that translates to wins because this defense is still needs a lot of work. Uh, but it should translate into points for the offense, hopefully. But, but they went and signed Tremaine Edmonds. That's going to fix everything, Carmen. <laughs> and TJ Edwards. Nobody is talking about TJ Edwards, and this is a guy that wore the green dot for the best defense in the league last yeah. year. So I don't understand why we're not talking more about them. No, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about Chicago's linebacking core as someone who grew up in Chicago that understands and still holds on to the years of Erlacher and Briggs hard like i'm still grasping <laughs> onto those like no those were our guys linebacker play is very important in the city they i'm stoked about this unit but that there's really not much else especially when you start talking depth in the secondary and who your guys are going to be on the defensive line in this pass rush yeah that's right now, that's so. the most concerning thing is probably the front four. I, I like their secondary because yeah. it's young, but the front four. Um, if there's you not, don't, not a lot of depth, I like them, but there's not a lot of depth. Y- back there. Yeah, if you don't want to um, have concerns about TJ Edwards, don't go watch the Super Bowl tape. That's all I'll say. It's not good. Not good. All right, uh, Katie, let's go to you. You're over and under. Ugh, I'm gonna say over. I have seven and ten, and I feel like that's being still being pretty generous. I just. I love what you said, Carmen, about kind of betting on them in the future. Like, this is still a rebuild. Like, I think a lot of people, myself included, are guilty of forgetting that they had, what, three wins last year. (laughs) But, yeah, it feels like this is a big season for seeing Justin Fields really develop as a passer. And like you said, he's really, really set up for that. Like, he finally has some continuity on offense, especially with that offensive line. But, yeah, like, DJ Moore is a huge addition. I but yeah, the defense really does worry me. Like, I'm curious to see what Matt Aberflus and Alan Williams can do with that defense because that was rough last year, like dead last in points allowed. It was so bad. No semblance of a run defense. It was every Tons, major category. Like, the Bears were bottom three uh, defensively. So, yeah, it wasn't cute if you're a Bears fan. <laughs> no. Nick. Well, okay, Sean. So six and a half, you nailed it again. I think that's fair. And and I, you know, Katie is the optimist of this group, um, at least when it comes to this exercise. I'm not going to necessarily put words or, or um, personas, you know, around you, right? You know, you could be as negative as you want. But when it comes to this, you know, you believe in the Atlanta Falcons. I know that. And I thought you might believe in the Bears because of all this positive momentum they've got from this offseason. Their roster should be improved in all these different areas. Even if something falls off of Carmen's desk, everything's going well in Chicago right now. They've got DJ Moore. He's going to fix everything at receiver. My God, they upgraded the offensive line a tiny bit, and Justin Fields isn't going to have to run for his life. But ultimately, seven wins still feels like a lot for this roster for all the reasons that Carmen just explained. Schedule-wise, it's not the toughest, but there's a lot of unknown. You don't know what Green Bay is going to be with Jordan Love. You don't know what Tampa Bay is going to be because of its quarterback situation. Hell, you don't even know what Denver is going to be because of how hard they flopped last year. So it's hard to pick wins and losses in the schedule game. 
And then it gets kind of tough down the back end. So um, I, I would like to see them flirt with that six and a half mark and maybe they finish at six. But as Carmen said, success for them is not wins and losses. It's keeping Justin Fields upright and allowing him to, to show that he can be a passer because right now the number one thing with him, no matter who you talk to is, Oh, he's a great runner. He's, he's a great running back. Uh, I put him on my list of most explosive runners in the NFL uh, mm-hmm. just because he had a ton of, you know, runs that, we're t- 15 plus miles per hour. He had a ton of rushing yards, everything else. And, and that's the first thing everybody said in the, in the freaking comments, which never go to the comments, but I went to the comments and it was just, Oh, well, it'd be nice <laughs> yeah, if they wouldn't got place, a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. They're very dark. Well, sometimes, <laughs> were, sometimes you got to dip your toes in the dark water. Really appreciate the sunshine. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think six would be really good for them. And even then it's still under for me. Every time I play this game, I look at the schedule and I just, like you said, Nick, I just look, all right, where are the wins? Where can I go? Yep. That's a win. Yep. That's a win. I'll tell you what, I have this Chicago Bears team starting 2-0 because the Green Bay Packers fan base loves to hit the panic button. And if Chicago beats them week one and Jordan Love doesn't perform well, you're going to have an entire state in Wisconsin hitting the panic button. Not to say it's deservedly so, but they'll do it anyway. And then if they come down here and win in Tampa, that's another fan base that's going to hit the panic button because, okay, Baker Mayfield hasn't won probably at that point, 0-2 at that point. Uh, it's it's a schedule, though, that, like you said, Nick, it, it's backloaded, and we don't know where a lot of these teams are going to be. How good are the Lions going to be? How good are the Vikings even going to be? Can they repeat what they did last year? I don't have them getting to that seven-win mark, so I'll go under, but I still have them finishing with, like, five, maybe, maybe six wins if one or two games go their way. So I'll take under. I mean, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I don't think there's really much else to discuss regarding this team, quite honestly. I do have one question, though, for Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the down low on Chase Claypool? <gasps> British oh, Columbia's own. He wears shirts and holes in them. I know that. I saw, yes, I did the, the article circulating about how yeah, they might not be too happy with him. And now he's off gallivanting in Paris. Yeah, I'm not sure where that even came from because of the fact that Chase Claypool has been working with Justin Fields this offseason before the offseason program even started. Um, He was a part of OTAs and then didn't participate in minicamp because he was dealing with an undisclosed injury. But he was there. So that's all you can ask for someone. And you're not going to push someone. I think if this was training camp even, or certainly if it was the regular season, Chase Claypool is out there. But during minicamp, there's absolutely no reason to push somebody if they are experiencing soreness or what have you it could be the most minute injury but you're just not going to take any chances with him so i have not heard of anyone expressing any sort of frustration or uh disappointment i think was the word that was used in chase claypool yet he got there mid to late season last year not even enough time to pick up offensive terminology didn't really have a cohesive offense to rely on or, and Justin obviously didn't have enough time to get him the ball most of the time. So I just think this is still a wait and see. And that was just a huge nothing burger. Meanwhile, we in Pittsburgh are saying thank you for Joey Porter Jr. Moving on to, now let's go to Minnesota next division champs last year, uh, finished with double digit wins. This is a roster, though, that has undergone a little bit of a transformation. Most notably, Adam Thielen's gone, and Dalvin Cook is gone as well. And more. Uh, 
Eric Hendricks. And Darius Smith. A lot of guys are gone. I did. I did and and I, Patrick hey, Peterson. I think I said Adrian Peterson. Hey, for, hey, for, hey, I said there I was, was some was roster like turnover. Ago. Relax, <laughs> y'all. I said there was some roster turnover. <laughs> we were just helping God. you fill it out. Yeah, yeah. It was one more. This is this is a podcast. We're trying to keep things small here. Uh, all right. So their schedule looks like this: uh, at home against Tampa Bay, on the road to Philly, at home against Los Angeles, road against Carolina, home against Kansas City, on the road against Chicago, then at home against San Francisco, uh, two week road trip to Green Bay and Atlanta, then back at home against New Orleans, on the road uh, against the Broncos, back in Chicago on November twenty seventh. Again, a week thirteen bye week for the. Vikings, and then another dual road trip to Vegas and Cincy. That might be tough. Uh, and then here's where things get really interesting for the Vikings. You have the last three weeks of the season at home against Detroit, at home against Green Bay, and then on the road at Detroit. That is a very interesting last month of the season when you go Cincy, Detroit, Green Bay, Cincy, or Detroit. Uh, so I, and I'm looking at this number now, maybe I mercifully picked this, but I had them at ten and a half. I know. What? <laughs> I know. So Wait, what was it? I missed it. I think you cut out. What was it? Ten and a half. Over under wow. ten and a half. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I have seen like the gamut when it comes to the Vikings. I have seen people be like, yeah, who are they gonna play? The defense is a complete question mark. They're getting an overhaul, one of the biggest overhauls we've seen from year to year between going from Ed Donatel to now Brian Flores. And some people are like really questioning that and they're doom and gloom and the Vikings are gonna have four or five wins. And then I've seen people that are like, no, they're gonna finish with double digit wins easy. And also like looking at their schedule, I mean, the NFC North plays the AFC West. Like, I have to think that Denver's going to be better. I think the Chargers are going to be a lot better. <laughs> the Chiefs, obviously. Uh, the Raiders is going to be an interesting experiment. But, like, where are, they, where are you getting these 10.5 wins from if you're looking at the Vikings schedule? I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to win 10.5 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Games, I'm going I'm under, just clearly. Putting I'm going under. At 10.5. Okay, don't I, come I, for me. I'm hedging my bets a little bit because you know, I did a I did a prediction thing like over a month and a half ago now for Fox where I like had to re- predict like where the NFC North was going to like fall and I had the Vikings finishing last and I got a lot of heat for it from Vikings wow. fans. Um, but again, it's just there was a like they could have been seven and ten last year, like. They played in 11 one-score games. They won all of them. But, I mean, that that was two – you know, a lot of those were two bounces away from being a loss. And if it wasn't for that insane comeback against the Colts, the insane – more insane comeback, even though it wasn't points-wise, against the Bills, where they – Josh Allen literally fumbled a victory formation kneel down. Like, I just I, – I don't I, – I'm not sold on this team yet until I can tell that their defense – is going to be okay. And I think Brian Flores can do it. I just don't know if it's this year. Like, how are you going to change it over that quickly when you had so many departures on that side of the ball? I had somebody float it recently that their defense is, like, um, should be improved or something, and I'm, I'm looking at it on paper, and I'm like, where? <laughs> like, like what they still Brian have. Brian Flores. De- yeah, they still yeah, have. Brian Flores <laughs> is the improvement. Yeah, they still I have. Did, I did write a whole thing about how Brian Flores, if you look at his defenses in Miami – his first year, they were 
32nd in the league, terrible in uh, in sacks rather. I don't think they were 32nd in defense, but 30 seconds in 30 seconds in sacks. Um, by the time he left two years later, he had them top five and he did it without ever having a double digit pass rusher, which was the key there. I'm like, okay, so if, if anybody can make something out of nothing, if anybody can create a pass rush and spread it all out, it was, I mean, 13, 14 different guys were getting sacks each year and they weren't all on the defensive line. You're talking like six, seven players, not on the defensive line that are getting sacks. Maybe Brian Flores can do it, but that's a whole heck of a lot to put on him in his first year when, again, this system is changing so drastically. Yeah, and I think just personnel-wise, that they just I mean, they still have Daniil Hunter for right now, but that's for right, right now. now. We'll see what happens right, with knows? that. The linebacking core is pretty thin. Um, you're, yeah. you're essentially, you know, it's it's and the, the secondary is not really all that exciting either. I mean, just across the board, your biggest addition this offseason was Byron Murphy. Otherwise, you know, the rest of the group is it's passable it does not inspire a lot of excitement or optimism for me so i'm gonna go under with your 10 and a half wins sean you yeah. know every time i shouldn't have given you credit last week because now i'm just setting you up for one wild off base over under there at the sean barry sportsbook sbs get your bets <laughs> in now folks uh and it's this is just, a good uh, one i'll give you good odds here yeah yeah you're you're definitely gonna beat the house if you go under here i think carmen i thought that was gutsy that um that you picked them to finish last just because of what we just discussed about the bears. But I like it. I, I love it. There's, there's I always know. a first to worst team every year. There's always a yeah. team that won too many games. That wasn't really that good. We saw that in the playoffs and they lost to the giants last year. The Browns happened. Oh, seven to 08. They were terrible the next year. Cause they were a veteran laden team. The Vikings are kind of similar. Kwesi Dofomensa has been slowly paring away at this roster. He's been moving the veterans in a process that a lot of people thought probably should have happened last year because they're not getting any younger. And oh, by the way, a year from now, I know this doesn't factor into this season, but a year from now, Kirk Cousins is probably going to be gone too, okay? They're letting uh, him play out the last year of his contract. So. And it's built in that they have to make a decision on his future before the start of the league year. And frankly, I think this is it. And I'm a Kirk Cousins guy just because he's a next-gen stats stud. He's better than he appears to be. He's not an aesthetically pleasing quarterback, but he's productive. Mm -hmm. Having said that, he's not going to lead you past these deficiencies. Have I think. you seen him shirtless, Nick, though? Oh, I've seen him shirtless <laughs> with chains, he baby. Is extremely, extremely impressive. We, saw, we all saw that. I was like... Whoa. Because, like, really? like, you don't even okay. see him in the locker room, really, because he comes to the podium after games and stuff. So, like, you know, you see guys, like, changing and whatever. But that was – that caught me completely off guard. I was like, what? And it inspired like, – Yeah. And it inspired yeah. Adam Schefter to go show like us on national TV, which the latter <laughs> did we like did that? not like. We did not like that. <laughs> no, we did not. Katie, what's your take on the Vikings this year? Man, I couldn't smash the under hard enough on that one. And like the Vikings, I think they could go anywhere between like six and 11 and also wouldn't be shocked by maybe 10 and seven, but I still am smashing the under 13 and four last season. Like, obviously they weren't as good as their record. And it's so funny that they had a negative point differential and still went 13 and four. <laughs> but yeah, especially in that division, I think Detroit improved, Chicago improved. I just think they're prime regression candidates this season. We talked about the guys they're losing off the top, but there are certain things like I like the Jordan Addison pick, but who knows, like sometimes it can take a, a minute for their play to translate to the NFL. Like it's not going to just be like that right away. But yeah, like you said, Carmen, I love the addition of Brian Flores. He can create a lot of greatness even without necessarily great players but yeah i just don't feel particularly inspired by this team right now especially with their schedule 
I'm going to take the under as well, because as I read out 10 and five or uh, 10.5 wins and read their schedule out loud in my head, I'm like, ah, where are these? Where would these 11 wins even come from? We probably asked that same question last year, too. And lo and behold, there were 13 of them. Um, I just don't see how it gets done this year. Uh, Like you said, Carmen, the Chargers got better. The Chiefs, LOL. We don't know exactly what the Broncos will be like. the Raiders, who's going to be their quarterback? How tough will they be? Will that Josh McDaniels offense get going this time around? So there are a lot of question marks on this schedule. So like you said, Katie, by all means, they could finish with double-digit wins. If they get over that 10-win mark, I would be surprised. I, at this point, have them at like 8-9, and 9-8. Nine, nine and eight. They'll hover right around there, which that honestly might be good enough to win this division. It might be. But I'll still hammer the uh, under. For the Vikings. Moving on to, uh, let's go to Detroit next because that's the next tab I have up. <laughs> and stop me if you've heard all of these teams before because we're just cycling through this division here. Uh, <laughs> the Lions' schedule with their new blue helmets looks like this: uh, opening the season on the road at Kansas City, yikes. Uh, then back at home against Seattle and Atlanta on the road against Green Bay. Uh, at home against Carolina, then on the road against Tampa and Baltimore. Uh, back home against Vegas. They have a week nine bye week. After the bye week, they are on the road, taking on the L.A. Chargers, then back home against Chicago and Green Bay, um, on the road against New Orleans and Chicago, uh, back home against Denver, on the road against Minnesota and Dallas, and then again, another kind of backloaded schedule where it goes, Minnesota, Dallas, Minnesota. So for these Lions uh, who – I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they sure were fun as hell to watch, uh, especially when they were on Sunday Night Football for the first time in God knows how long, having fun against the Packers. Um, I'm going to give the Lions eight and a half. Over under eight and a half. And I think that's spot on because, like I said, I think nine <laughs> wins could very well win this division. High five. So taking the over. The bottom yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> good job, <laughs> me. Saying, like, good job, me. Yeah, yeah Matt, I yeah, am the this. Liz Lemon and 30 Rock. Like, when, high we, five when, we, when we go back and look at this at the end of the season, if we even do that, if this podcast lasts that long, uh, <laughs> it might be spot on. I like, hope it is. Uh, but over under eight and a half. Carmen, what do you think? I'm going over. I think that's not even uh, yes. I, I think there's some validity to the fact that nine wins could conceivably win this division because it is so wide open and not for the reasons of that. It's so competitive. Like the AFC West should be, but we said that last year. I know um, that being said, the culture that Dan Campbell has built, it's not something quantifiable. So it's a little bit of a cop out to talk so much about it, but I witnessed it when they were losing last year. I was there in the first half of the season. I was in the locker room and they were still so happy. And while that doesn't sound like it's a great thing, it just went to show you that they all believed in themselves and they knew that things were going to turn around and they stuck together. Dan Campbell, his coaching staff, they really, a lot of them are former players. So I think that that goes into why they're able to empathize and connect with these guys a lot more than a lot of coaching staffs do. But that all manifested itself in that Week 18 game up at Lambeau, which I was there for. And that's what sold me on the Lions because they had nothing to play for. Seattle had won earlier in the day, so there was there was nothing that was going to get them into the playoffs. And they decided that if they weren't going to be in the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers weren't going to be either. <laughs> and I we talked to some of the stuff. coaches right before the game kicked off. And I was like, what? 
what was what were you guys saying in the locker room? Like, what was Dan Campbell saying? And I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but it definitely yes, wasn't can. like Do I it. can. Can I say like the F word? Because that's oh, what yeah. it was for it. Absolutely. Uh, they <laughs> the message that I heard that was proliferating throughout the locker room was like, "All right, go out there and fuck shit up," and that was every like every Dan Campbell was just yes. screaming it. <laughs> and, like that's what they did. They just, they apped it up for Green Bay. And I was like, you know what? If you can go out there and play out of pure spite, my hat's off to you, you petty kings. I'm I'm riding with you. I'm going to ride with you all next season. And again, they also don't have any obvious holes on the roster. If you're going to talk actual football, they have great players, all great young players. But again, the coaches have been able to get so much out of these guys. You have guys like James Houston, who didn't start till week 12, finishing second in sacks with eight uh, on this season last year. You have Kirby Joseph picking off Aaron Rodgers multiple times in his rookie year, rookie out of Illinois. And I'm like, if you can get this much production out of your young guys, marry that with the experience you do have on this team. Plus on, off, on offense, you have the best offense, one of the best offensive lines in football, top three. Probably, I would put them two behind the Eagles. The sky's the limit. And we saw a resurgent year from Jared Goff in the last year. So if he can continue that, which odds are with Ben Johnson as your OC, you can. I just don't see any obvious holes. And I just see them as the clear-cut winners of this division. I, th- I think we always fear the regression and we don't want to hop on board with the wrong team. But I think everything you just said is perfectly why, Carmen. Um, why this team is a team that, that might not win the Super Bowl, but you can trust is going to go out there and at least play their asses off. I mean, top to bottom. That week 18 told you everything you needed to know and, and everything you just explained about their roster makes sense. They they stocked up in the offseason. They went and got Emmanuel Mosley. Yeah, he's coming off injury, yep. but he's got winning experience in San Francisco. They get CJ Gardner Johnson, a guy that most people expected to fetch a big time offer somewhere else. He goes to Detroit on something shorter. Why? Because he wants to join that team. Cam Sutton, same thing. A rising corner who kind of surprised folks by leaving Pittsburgh. It's another big score for them. And then they said, you know what? <laughs> Screw everybody else. Screw what you think about where players should be drafted. We're going to go take Jack freaking Campbell in the first round because we think he can be a linebacker at the Mike position for the next 10 years and be a guy that we need at that position. So you add that in with Aiden Hutchinson, who finished second in defensive rookie of the year voting last year and had a pretty strong case. If it wasn't for the existence of Sauce Gardner, he probably wins it because he had a better rookie year than Chase Young did when he won it. That's a good group across the board. Ali McNeil, even a guy that, you know, some people, if you're really paying yep. attention, you think he might be pretty solid. And then to, on the other side of the ball, everything you just said is right. The only thing I worry about for them is receiver. Um, I would right. like them to make a play for DeAndre Hopkins, but I also think that yeah. um, there's some pitfalls with that. So, and that's still not resolved. We'll see what happens. If not, they're fine with Amon Ross St. Brown. Marvin Jones is a veteran. Josh Reynolds has yeah. some veteran experience. And Khalif Raymond had a career year last year, which I think more than anything, is indicative of the culture that Dan Campbell has built. Now, I'm not a big culture guy because I think it's a lot of nonsense that we use to write about. But in this it's instance, hooey. it's 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, in this instance, it, it, I think it's legit. It I, I think it, it matters. matters with this group. So uh, let's slam the over. You know, that's the only time I'm ever going to get to say that because while we can do legalized sports betting on the network, I'm not allowed to bet. So. And I can't really talk in those terms that you see on the betting network. So we'll slam the over, baby. Yeah. So here's the hammer. Throw dollars all across the screen. Lions winning the division. Katie. 
<laughs> I love it. I am a big culture gal. Like all of us have spent time with a team and it's really, really tangible when you're around a team when they're losing, how quickly the energy shifts. And I'm a huge fan of Dan Campbell strictly because of hard knocks and just like watching his press conferences and stuff. But it is really good to know the culture that he created. And I think, like you said, Carmen, it might be because there's so many former players in his coaching staff. But I think that's really important because so much of your culture is how are you doing when things aren't going as expected or as well as you were hoping. But yeah, I think the Lions are the most complete team in the division, like no question. I'm slamming the over and I have them at 10 and 7. I think their offensive line is looking really good. for, And that's great for a quarterback like Jared Goff. You brought him up. Like he's definitely someone that needs to be in the right situation to thrive. And he did amazing last year, but you saw him kind of fall off with LA. And yeah, the addition of CJ Gardner-Johnson, like that's where they desperately needed help. That was one of their glaring issues. Also, one game I have really circled on the calendar is Lions versus Saints in week 13. So we could sort out a little bit of that history between him and Michael Thomas. <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting... I don't think they've played each other yet, have they? Uh, yeah, they... Uh, no, because Michael Thomas has been hurt. Yeah, he, so he only even played three the, games last year. Yeah, so I don't think so. But uh, Sean, you're going to get to see uh, the Lions when the Bucks decide to wear their creamsicles. So that's I, the creamsicle game. I can't wait. I already bought a creamsicle T-shirt over at Burlington. <laughs> they they got them all over town. Um, I always thought those were like the ugliest jerseys in the world. Now that I live down here, I'm like, ah, you know what? There's kind of some nostalgia to it. Shouldn't be an everyday kind of thing. I want to see what they look like, though, because um, who was it? I, th- I think it was Levante David who said, like, oh, they're not like the ones that I wore back in like, was, yeah, Levante like, did say that. 2012. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something different to it. Everyone's like, they're different? How? Yeah. Um, oh, teams. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's, and and yeah, apparently, one of the, uh, apparently one of the PR people was in the back of the room going, nope, stop it, stop it. Nope, <laughs> nope, that's enough. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, I'll make I'll make it a perfect four for four. I'll, I'll go with the over two. I think the Lions are the most complete team in this division. I think they do win this division. It might be with nine wins. Uh, it might be with ten wins, but I have them right there around nine and ten. And I didn't like Dan Campbell when he came into this job. You know, biting people's kneecaps and yeah, rah rah, just boom bah. I don't like that <laughs> stuff. I think it's really cheesy because I've covered so much like high school football and small college football where that's what coaches need to say and they like just thrive on the on the the, the acronyms and they talk about like your splat score and it's like you just got that from orange theory like there's no way you came up with that yourself no i'm talking about your grit score what is that stuff and it seemed like dan campbell was that kind of coach I don't think so much anymore. I don't think that so much anymore. I think he really is a guy that can connect to his players and rally a locker room behind his cause. And I think he's done a really good job of that in Detroit. So give me the over. Lions are coming to the playoffs. What the hell? We have a Um, contribution from uh, Carmen. We do this on Twitch and YouTube live. And one of our loyal viewers and a loyal moderator of my Twitch page, Big B has chimed in. Big B is a Packers fan. He's probably uh, taking offense to the fact that we've waited until the end of this segment to talk about his team. And he certainly doesn't believe in the Detroit Lions, saying, you're dreaming if you think the Lions are winning the division. What? So I present it to you, Carmen. Clap back, guest on our show. Tell Big B why he's wrong. 
for all the reasons we just said, I think he's just salty about the fact that they want, they kept the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs last year. If you're telling me he's a Packers fan, I get that it's the Lions though, and they're the, the the screw up of the division, and they don't they can't have nice things and all this other stuff. But listen, I'm telling you, it's a new age in Detroit. It really really is and we didn't talk enough about what they did um offensively and the fact that they're going to get a boost six games into the season after jameson williams comes back um which i think is going to come at at, at a good time for them so i just look at the roster right now it's just it's there's not a lot of holes there and i really like what ben johnson can do for these guys you're you're gonna have to give him his respect as an offensive play caller, as an offensive genius for that matter. And the fact that he stayed when he had head coaching interviews, he said, no, I want to stay here should also indicate to you exactly that, that this there's, there's something happening in Detroit finally. And we need as a collective NFC North community to be supportive of that because it's been so long. This is a guy, this, this yeah, is a team that hasn't won true. the division since 1993. I think we're watching the Lions glow up in real time. In real and time, and I have no what emotional have stake it? in them, but it's so exciting to watch. Yeah, There's something Detroit happening in Detroit. That is a scary, scary thought. I, I love think, that for them. I, I think that <laughs> would have been is nigh. That would have been their campaign slogan when they were redoing their downtown. So uh, I think we're late to that party, <laughs> but I guess it all works out the same. Um, now the glow up. One last thing on this team before we move on. I think there's a split opinion here on this alternate helmet they're wearing. I think you like it, Carmen, and, I and do. it sounds like Sean does. I, I don't know. They're, they're gonna wear it with the gray, you the you know that silver gray, whatever it is, gray uniforms. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that's the only thing they could wear it with. Well, really? Why not, why not just go all blue? Like, like mix it up. No. Why you gotta confine yourself to that? I think no. it would look really good with the white uniforms. Yeah, with yeah, the blue pants. Look good with all with all white. I like the helmets. I mean, I know it's a throwback. I mean, it reminds me of Food Lion, though. If you've ever shopped there, yes, it does. <laughs> it definitely does. All right, uh, let's move on. Oh, Katie, it's a grocery store. <laughs> it's a grocery store in the American Southeast. Uh, okay, so last but not least, uh, it's Big B's Green Bay Packers starting <laughs> off the season. It's Soldier Fear. Yeah, sorry. Rewind. Starting off the season at Soldier <laughs> Field, L. Then on the road at Atlanta, L. At home against New Orleans, L. At home against Detroit, L. Dang, Big B, these aren't looking too good. Then you're on the road against Vegas. Got a week six bye week. I'm not a fan of early bye weeks because that does not leave you uh, any rest for a long haul to finish the season. Uh, week seven, they're at Denver. Week eight, uh, at home against Minnesota. Week nine, at home against the Rams. Uh, then they are on the road in Pittsburgh, back home against the Chargers, on the road in Detroit for Week 12. Then you face off against Kansas City, thankfully at home. Not that that's going to do you any good against Patrick Mahomes in Week 13. Uh, week 14 on the road against the Giants down here in Tampa for Week 15 for just what's going to be probably be perfect weather at that point in the season. Uh, week 16... On the road against Carolina, 17 on the road against Minnesota, and then rounding off the season at home against uh, Bears. I have the Packers, and here's the thing. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They downgraded at quarterback. Maybe. I have them. Maybe not. Oh. They downgraded Ooh, at like quarterback. Somebody's well, Rogers was hurt last year. I, I don't think yes, it's necessarily a big downgrade. That's for Carmen to talk about. She's. <laughs> I have them at. Over under seven and a half. 
That's fair. I'm going to go over. Oh, oh there we go. Okay. Spicy. <laughs> okay, here's my thing. B- Big B and I are now going to be friends after I just kind of told him off about the lions. Big B and I are now going to be friends because I don't think there's going to be a huge drop off with Jordan Love. And that could just be the scorn Bears fan in me growing up in the city and seeing Green Bay go from one Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback and then employ the same strategy now with Jordan Love. I'm not convinced it's not going to work out for them a third time. And it could be they could be third times the charm. Even if Jordan Love, though, is just average in his first year, he is coming into a team where he has an excellent, perhaps the best tandem in the backfield and a really great run game to lean on. He's got a great offensive line, provided those guys can stay healthy. That's it, there's a, that's a big if. I realize that. Um, and then you have a defense that has a tremendous amount of talent, and it's about time they live up to it. And they did in the back half of last season. They they kind of found their stride finally and were able to limit teams and their points. But they have eight first-round picks on that side of the ball. So on paper, Jordan Love is coming into about the best situation he could be coming into. On top of the fact he's been a part of this team for the last three years. He knows this offense inside and out. I keep going back to a quote that Tom Clements, the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks coach said, where when they were making this transition a couple months ago, he was like, at any point over the last couple of years, I could lean over to Jordan and be like, all right, defense is doing this. What are we doing? And Jordan would know because Jordan knows this offense like the back of his hand because he's been in it. He hasn't been executing it, but that takes away a giant part of the learning curve that he's going to face. So if he is who Green Bay thinks he is, and I know that they kind of hedged their own bets by giving him that two-year extension, and he's able, and the rest of his team lives up to the potential that they're supposed to have, the Green Bay Packers are going to be just fine. Sorry. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think there's a, there's a sense of the unknown because you just haven't seen him, right? And. Right. And it's and when you did see him, it wasn't impressive. Uh, they were also spot Save for the uh, Eagles game last year. Yeah, he was it, pretty impressive. In the Eagles the game. Love he, he was. Game. Yeah, and, and and even if you go back to his college tape, there were some flaws. But that was a long time ago. Yeah, there um, were Nick. Yeah, I mean that that was so long ago that they were losing to Kent State in the bowl game that they played in. Uh, the tropical smoothie what bowl, Sean? Tropical smoothie Frisco cafe bowl. bowl. Yeah, yeah. The tropical smoothie cafe Frisco bowl. Yeah, there you go. Get your plug in there now. You want to advertise with this <laughs> tropical smoothie cafe? By the way, we are open for business. Um, so I, I I like what you said, Carmen, because you did leave yourself an out. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest and admit that you left yourself an out by giving <laughs> a little bit of confidence to them in the event that they do step up. I also think it's a bit refreshing to move on from Aaron Rodgers. I know you're losing a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, but at the same time, you're getting, you're, you're being freed from the drama. You're being freed from this guy wanting this thing every specific way and all these people and these young players need to fit in or else. And now you're, you're kind of in a situation where you can collaborate more, where everybody's young and you have two good running backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And you have a defense, like you said, that did start to finally figure it out last year and has a lot of talent. And you have a coach, by the way, who's done really well. Uh, ha- has mm-hmm. led that team to uh, you know top ten finishes offensively for most of his time there. So on paper they should be pretty excited, except for quarterback. So if he does step in and show that he has three years of seasoning or whatever it is, then yeah, they could win some games. Now what was the over and under again, Sean? What, what did we set it at? Seven and a half. That's pretty low. Um, and if we have the Bears finishing under six, and if we have the Vikings finishing under Sean's astronomical ten and a half. Sorry. Then, you know, 
<laughs> Sorry, I hey, go. you know what? Okay, listen, I will say I did a little bit of research and that one came from an actual sports book and they had them at 11 and a half. Whoa, so I took it whoa. down to 10 and a half. Whoa, Sean. He's jacking rhymes do, from another sports book. I do get, some research. I do some research and they had it at 11 and a half and I'm like, that's way too high. So I did 10 and a half. Just defending myself. Anyway, continue. Let, let, let the record show that Sean, the Sean Barry sports book. Uh, by its lyrics from other rappers. All right. Uh, I'm going to go over as well uh, because it's low, and I think that it's going to be real interesting to see how they compare against our darling of this division in Detroit, a team that you know has a bit of stability at this point. Um, they play early. They play in the middle of the season. It does not come down to a game between them. Minnesota could play spoiler with Detroit and with Green Bay. They play them in Week 17 as well. Uh, not the toughest schedule. I don't know if they start 0-4, like Sean said. Um, I, I think that there's a chance to yeah. win against Atlanta. I think there's certainly oh, that a was, chance to win against Chicago. That was we, just for Big B, Nick. Oh, no, okay. no. <laughs> I, think they, I think they will win against Chicago because Chicago yeah. has undergone way more changes than they have. And I've got, I, I understand that quarterback is the most important position on the field, and that's where Chicago has continuity and Green Bay doesn't. But – Again, early in the season, before you've really had the reps in this system, if you can fall back on knowing it, that's going to serve you well early in the season more than anything else. And so I feel like Jordan Love actually has the edge there. And I, again, I just, I don't, it might be the scoring Bears fan. I mean, Bears, it, just because Aaron Rodgers is gone, I just don't think that that automatically means the Bears win that game. Look, Carmen, I, I have watched the Steelers look like they're headed toward disaster and rebound rather quickly many times including this year uh so i'm right there with you i understand you there's a little bit of fool me once shame on me and and fool me twice right. you can't get fooled again to quote george right. w bush uh it, 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 i just don't think it's gonna be that easy so i'm gonna go a Cole song but yeah yes yes, yes. <laughs> Exactly. I didn't Good expect job. a W quote this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in a J. Cole song. Don't give we, Nick too much credit. There's, there's no saying. Not negotiate with terrorists. Now watch this drive. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. So Tennessee, it may be in Texas. <laughs> can't get fooled again. Katie, can you get fooled again? Uh, all right, Nick, you went, Nick, you went over. Katie, what you got? Um, I think they'll have a kind of around 500. I think the the back half of the season actually looks a little tougher for them, but I have them maybe nine and eight, eight and nine. I miss the days of it being eight and eight, so I could just use that as a total cop yeah, out and not I have can to decide. See that's what you're, I can I really know. see that's what you're trying to do. You you are trying to use the eight and eight as a crutch. Nope, come on. No, I'm using over it under again. seven and a half. Over under seven the, and a half. Oh, definitely the over, regardless. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited over. to see Jordan Love in this offense. I, a, I think he is set up really well. Writing but then down. B, I'm just perpetually tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers. Like, I've just been over that for many years now. So I'm so <laughs> excited as someone that has yeah. no stake in the Packers to watch them and be excited about watching them. Because I think Jordan Love could do well there. They have an established run game. They didn't do a ton in free agency, but they still do have a lot of their impact players. I think their pass rush looks better. Not that that's super difficult. Like it was a pretty tough scene after Rashawn Gary went down in week nine, I think it was. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just excited to watch the Jordan Love experience. Carmen, okay. I, I have a question know. for you. Like, yeah. you have a pulse of the team of like how much belief they have going into the season with Jordan Love? I mean, you've let Jair Alexander tell it. He's the best quarterback in the league. I love that. But <laughs> that's, that's Jair, though. Jair says inflammatory stuff. He taunts. And calls Jeff- Justin Jefferson a fluke, and he gets on Skip and Shannon for calling him a good, not great quarter cornerback. 
Uh, that's who Jair Alexander is. He's always going to say some inflammatory stuff. But again, Jordan Love has been a part of this locker room for the last three years. So of course these guys are supportive and encouraging and they want to lift him up as much as possible. So everybody loves Jordan. Um, I will say that only Aaron Jones and Romeo Dobbs were the ones that went out and worked with Jordan in California prior to the offseason program starting. I don't know if there's any plans for this interim for them, for more guys to get together with Jordan Love um, on their own time. But they seem to really, this is their guy. He's been their guy for the last three years, even though he wasn't starting on the field. And again, everyone's kind of young, so they get to kind of grow together. And don't sleep on those two tight ends that they drafted, Tucker Craft and uh, Luke Musgrave. Luke Musgrave looked really good in minicamp. He's getting a lot of work. Tucker Craft is like a pure combination tight end, um, but he can he can do both. And so you're, I, Matt Lafleur is really really good uh, running out of twelve personnel. I think the Green Bay Packers even last year with. Uh, with Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis ran it the second most of any team uh, in the regular season. So that's one of those things where you look for the young guys to kind of come along and help Jordan love with that too. But yeah, Carl, they have, they have all the faith in the world in him. Yeah. Carl, you, you kind of started that with, yeah, they love Jordan. He's been there for the past three years. They love Jordan. Cal Trask has been here for the last two years. Oh God. <laughs> loves Cal Trask. Um, I'm I'm actually going to take the under because I have them at, right wow. at seven and ten. Really? Um, yeah, I have them right at I seven and ten. It's it is a team with question marks, and I don't know how well just handing the ball off to those two monsters in the backfield is going to do. You're going to have to rely on Jordan Love to win you some games at some point in the season. That's just what it means to be a quarterback in today's NFL. I don't know if Jordan Love can do that in his first full year in control of this offense. We'll see. Nick, I do have a question for you, though. What bowl game did he play in against Kent State? The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. <laughs> there you go. And who was the other quarterback in that game? Dustin Crum. And, and who, who won, won that, that game? game? The Kent State Golden Flashes, baby! Give I me I the play under. fight song. Well, put, it in post. It. put it in post. All right. I'm going to take the under. Uh, that's our, oh boy. That's our, that's, that's our NFC North preview. Um, I'm not going to go heavy. over all the picks. We'll go over that on Twitter. But, Carmen, thanks for joining us for our NFC North preview and our quarter of uh, an NFC South preview. Um, we appreciate the, the insight and the knowledge. And uh, now I think Katie and Nick got to quiz me or something. Ah, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Well, first off, uh, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, it is everybody's favorite time of the show. Okay. We just got through all that football talk. Carmen gave us her insight. But now, folks, welcome back to another rousing, thrilling, exciting, and captivating edition of. Do you even know? The rules of this segment are quite. Trivia is no, what we're talking no. about. No, Nick, we can't hear Nick, you. <laughs> turn the music off. Turn the music off there, bud. It's too loud. The music and Nick. Post. The vibes didn't work. The vibes didn't yeah. work. How about now? Bad vibes. It was, it was super vibey, but we just couldn't hear you. So vibes, yeah. man. All right. Well, I tried to be so cool. excited. That, that Anyways, the, 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 we're both in the one of us is in the crosshairs of the other two. We're quizzing each other. We're trying to do a 
cooler, more modern version of Stump the Schwab. And today, Sean, you I Yeah, I saw here's the thing. I have no idea what the what the category is. Yes. I, I go into this blind. There is no preparation. There is no Googling. You will be banned, even though we desperately need you to be on the podcast. So please don't Google and put me in a tough spot. Today's topic is Sean is from the Keystone State. And we are going to quiz him on Pennsylvania trivia. Ah. So, Katie, why don't you lead us off in another edition of... Do you even know? So, Sean, my first question for you. Do you even know which player on the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Art Ross four years in a row? And for our non-hockey listeners, that's the trophy for the NHL scoring leader. I'll give you multiple choice. This is an easy one. I'll give you four different answers. Is it A, Sidney Crosby? No. B, Evgeny Malkin? No. C, Mario Lemieux, or D, Yarmar Yager. Yags. Damn, did you get that? Yeah. So Mario Lemieux <laughs> did win it six times, but Yager did it four times in a row. I think I, yeah, I, I knew there was a, uh, it was in like the mid 2000s, right? When Lemieux was. 98, um, 2001. Okay, so it was when Lemieux was 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 out for uh, not not cancer, but the many back problems before mm-hmm. he came back. Yes, so Yags. Oh, All right, I got I one. I shouldn't have done multiple choice. That was bullshit. That's on I me, was, guys. I'm I, sorry. I was going to say that, but I'm like, I know it's not Crosby or Malkin. I know it's either Lemieux or it's Yager, and I you was know, gonna say Yager anyway. You know, if if I had gotten multiple choice, this is not against you, Katie, but if I had gotten multiple choice in the soccer edition of Do You Even Know, I would have nailed that. Because I went 0 for 3 and was near misses every single time. But you know what, Sean? I got one that I think might stump you. Okay. You're We're always this... into the geography questions. Back I'm to terrified either. right now. Um, geography, higher education, a uh, number of things here. Sean, do you even know when Penn State was founded in 1855, it was originally called Blank High School of Pennsylvania, which is a weird thing that happened with colleges back then. It was still a college. But what group of workers... Did it service? Um, mm, how is this a sports question? It's not. We didn't. This say is it supposed to be. to be sports. No, yeah. there's, no, there's no rules here. You're not. We're just doing the state one. of Pennsylvania. We have literally <laughs> only asked sports <laughs> <Yeah>. questions <laughs> well, up until this very question. What are we doing? Sports 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 about. It's Bush League. Um, it's either. Teachers or farmers, and I'm gonna go with farmers. Oh, he nailed it, folks! He got it. What he the hell? Two. He complained about it, and he still got it. The Sean Berry experience, everyone. <laughs> Carmen has a question for you. I do have a question for you. Oh god. I could. Well, I could go sports, or I could go non-sports. Go, you go with, go with, go with your gut, but you do have to say even now. What's funny yeah, about your obviously. question, by the way, Carmen? I text Nick my question, and we had the exact same one, so I had to change mine. Oh, that's funny. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, I have, I have to. I might give you both just as a bonus question. Yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Well, I'll oh. start with sports. Okay. So, do you even know that the Pittsburgh area was the childhood home of six Hall of Fame quarterbacks? Name those six quarterbacks. All right. Okay. What uh, a great no, question. No crack. Uh, Sean tried to crack his yeah, it, was, it, was the, it was the one time that didn't crack. I've been cracking them all podcast. Uh, Dan Marino, uh, Jim Kelly, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana. I'm at five now. Four. Four. Okay, so I said Unitas, Montana, Marino, Kelly. Two more. 
um, quarterbacks, 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 quarterbacks. I actually met him at the Super Bowl this year. Uh oh, don't give it away. One of them, anyway. Um, Pittsburgh quarter. I know I'm gonna kick myself for not getting these. <laughs> um, There's one very obvious one that you're not getting. Oh, I can't wait to ask you about this. How embarrassing, Sean. Is it <laughs> an obvious one? Yeah. Um, not Steve Young, right? No. No. No, no not Steve Young. Um. You gotta call it soon, Sean. The listeners are getting impatient. Um, give me a second. And you have two left. So. Yeah. I know I've I've two left, and I'm I'm going like I'm I'm going around the league, and I don't know why I can't get this. Who has he gotten um, so far? Jim Kelly, Dan he's Marino. He's gotten Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas. Okay, those are the ones he's gotten so far. John, you're gonna. Uh, uh, eh, give me the last two. Joe Namath. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And who was the last one? George Blanda. I would not have gotten that one. Um, yeah. No. And honestly, uh, you know, the four I mentioned, those are like the most commonly talked about ones. I totally forgot about Joe Namath. What high school did he go? Where was he from? I don't know. I don't okay. have that in front of me. I just know <laughs> yeah, that. Right. Was, these are the six <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterbacks from the Pittsburgh area. Do you want the bonus question? Let's do it. Sure, that has I'll take the to bonus question. Sports. Let's do it. Yeah. It's actually geography, so it's more into That's the fine. fate of Nick. But do you even know that there is only one town in Pennsylvania? Everywhere else is either a city, borough, or township. Name that town. Allentown? <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, town. It's not a township. It's a town. It's a town. So it is okay. not. Yes, it is not a city borough. Everywhere else is a city borough or a township. This is the only town in Pennsylvania. Can I get the like first letter of it? B. Uh, well, that takes Big B's question out because he yeah. tried to pitch it. <laughs> Hershey. <laughs> yeah. No. It's a big um, B. Hershey. I was thinking like it's gonna be something like. Oh, was it Butler? No. Butler. No. Oh. That's a good question. No, we have Butler Township, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Butler Town- it's Butler Township. I, my, yeah, my family's from Philly, so like I know a few things about Pennsylvania. Not, so not what is you, it? But- Bloomsburg. Oh, okay. I, there's a college there, so I have heard of it, but yeah. It's the All only right. town in Pennsylvania. The more you know. I grew up in a borough. There you go. You I went two for two. I did all right. And he went to a high school that combined the name of two boroughs. Three. <laughs> Oh, there you go. What? So, so Pennsylvania, yeah. they do things differently. America's so funny. <laughs> hey. Oh, right. crap. Oh, no. Now I, I just realized I need to learn Canadian geography because I just opened Pandora's box by going outside of sports, and now I'm going to get destroyed. Yeah. yeah. Like, we already we, we did Canada sports questions with Katie last week. We didn't do geography, Nick, but no, anyway. See, this is the it. only time I'll ever accept this phrase, but I think we should stick to sports. Oh. Oh, well. Good one. Well, that's all right. The goal was achieved. And I'm never Sean using was upset. it again outside of the situation. <laughs> Anytime Sean gets upset, uh, we we get a victory in David now, and this has been another rousing, thrilling, depressing edition of David now. All right, thank you. Uh, Carmen for joining in on that. That was a blast. Um, that was a lot are, of fun. This is gonna be the longest Love podcast. <laughs> yes, of course. He should have his own show, Stump the Sean. Uh, this is Stump gonna be an Sean. incredibly long podcast at this point. So feel free. Uh, if you want to stick around for F one, you can. But if not, we'll send you on your way right now because it's getting late. 
I'm going to yeah. get off here because, again, I'm sticking to my I'm just a fan. I'm yes, just a fan. Just a fan. Yes, Carmen, are. thanks I so much that. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See ya. Yeah. Well, that was and just fantastic. Then it was the three amigos. Oh, Carmen is so wonderful. I'm going to be fangirling the rest of the evening. Don't mind me. I know we should have told her. Uh, we should have informed her of the pre-podcast uh, text chain where you were literally fangirling. Like, she's iconic. I don't fangirl about a lot of people. Like when you work in this industry long enough, like not a lot of athletes phase me, but other women in the industry, I get very fangirly over. It is funny though because I, I met her. Nick introduced us back at the Super Bowl in Miami uh, in 2019, and we we like met in like Nick's hotel room on South Beach, and Nick's like, "Ah, oh, uh, Carmen, Sean, Sean, Carmen, all right, let's go." Like, oh, oh, okay, hi, hi, yeah, hi, yeah. It was just very chill. Yeah, um, she's yeah, great. she's great. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she and I met in a press box in Tampa when I was working for the Browns. And fun fact, actually, I'm, I'm glad. Actually, I'm not going to tell that story. We'll keep that uh, off air, but it's a funny story. <laughs> Tell about, us privately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, don't want to do that. She's off. She's doing great things. She's doing wonderful <laughs> stuff. She has blossomed in her career since she left the Buccaneers. Uh, the potential that was always there and that it just needed the right person to see her talent. Um, it, it's it's showing right now, and she's doing a great job covering the NFC North. She did a great job helping us preview the NFC North. But now we are going to shift gears. And since I found out my music doesn't work, that just kind of takes a little bit of the punch out of how excited I was for this podcast. So. Without it further did work, ado. kind of, but then it just, you were kind of drowning out. We could fix it all in post, baby. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's separated. We'll find out. We are going let's, over um, to the grid right now, Sean, aren't we? Yeah, let's let's do our race predictions for Austria real quick, because we're running up on an hour and five minutes here. So let's go through F1 quickly. Do we want to do the headlines next week, or should we just do them this week as well? I kind of want to do them. I think we could uh, just throw them in there. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, Austria this week, and it's supposed to rain. So especially it's a sprint week. This is going to be an interesting three days in Austria, in the Alps, at the Red Bull Ring. It's going to be lots of orange there, uh, clearly for McLaren, as Lando Norris likes to say. So let's do our podium predictions. Uh, Katie, chivalry, let's start with you. Okay, number one, how boring, Max Verstappen. Number two, P2, I have Charles Leclerc. And P3, I have George Russell. Oh. Yeah, I'm betting on right. Mercedes and Aston continuing to rise up, but I there's something I wanna, yeah, about what, Charles. I just I think I was going to say. I so my bold prediction, I will add that as well because it gives it a bit of context. Um that Ferrari doesn't fuck anything up for once. And this no. covers both strategy and reliability that the entire weekend and this is extra bold because this, this is, is a sprint a, weekend. So there's I much more say, room. It's a rainy sprint weekend. What are you doing here? Katie? That's why it's so bold. I'm being bold, you guys. It's so We're bold. Doing I'm, it. I'm taking it back. I'm in, the, I'm in the back of my seat. I'm getting away from the <laughs> microphone. I have to start to shout so you can hear me because I'm so blown away by how aggressive you are in this bold prediction. We'll check back in next week, and we can all laugh at how stupid this prediction was. No, no, we won't laugh at you. You're just taking a swing, you know? Nobody <laughs> bats a thousand, right? Nick, you got your three predictions? Well, uh, contrary to Katie's bold prediction and uh, difference in her podium prediction, I am going to go chalk, baby, chalk. And the reason is, Fernando Alonso felt like that car was getting somewhere. In their most recent race, he thinks there's going to be a little bit more pace in Austria, a track where you can fly around pretty quickly unless it's rainy. 
Having said that, I don't trust the rest of the grid to handle the rain any better. So Max Verstappen in first now and forever, considering what we've seen from the season so far. Lewis Hamilton in second because he's got experience in the rain. He's one of the most experienced drivers in the grid. And I trust him. And I trust that Mercedes, which continues to look good. And by the way, he actually knows how to get to the end of a race, unlike George Russell last time they were out there. And then Fernando Alonso bringing up third on the podium, tightening that that battle for second a little bit more. Going to be a lot of fun. And if it rains, well, we're in for some thrills. Sean, what's your prediction? Uh, I'm going, uh, like you said, Nick, chalk for one and two with you. I've got Max winning, ho-hum. I've got Lewis in second because this is if this is going to be a wet weekend, Lewis Hamilton might be the best wet weather driver on the grid currently. Yeah. Um, and then number three, this is also my bold prediction because, I mean, what more, what more do you want? I've got Lando Norris taking home the bronze because he loves Austria. Got his first podium there, got another podium there. He has a pole there. There is something about Austria that that kid just loves and his car comes alive at. It, it, and you saw there was some speed in that McLaren last time out. Both drivers in Q3. Uh, they had a bit of a rocky race. Um, Lando got that penalty that bumped him from P9 back to P13. If this is going to be a wild and crazy weekend, let's put Lando on the podium. Screw it. Why not? He's good like in the wet, too. Yeah, I like that. Yes, well, he is. Well, unless he doesn't change um, his tires. Yeah, unless lessons it's so learned. Cheap. This is also one of my favorite tracks, too, because it just seems like things innately happen there, whether it's, you know, Carlos. Carlos's car literally almost blowing up as it rolls backward down the main straight. Um, it, or, you know, Lewis bumps, uh, who was that? That was um, Alex Albon. Alex Albon, yeah. And he spins him again, bumping him off the podium again. It's, it's, it's one of those tracks that stuff just happens at, and there is good racing here. Now that I said that, it's probably going to be a crap weekend. But yeah, give me, give me those three. And obviously, uh, my bold prediction is that Lando gets on a podium. <laughs> my favorite thing about what Sean wrote in our Google Doc for his bold prediction is, what, Lando on a podium isn't bold enough for you? <laughs> Perfectly. That's pretty bold. so cheeky. That's uh, pretty bold, Sean. Uh, I think it's I, so interesting that none of us have Checo on the podium. Well, thank you, Katie. How yours. much faith have we lost in him recently, though? Like, Yes. He is just it's... not having a good time. Now, that being said, and this will segue perfectly into our next segment, Red Bull has come out and said we are going to work with Checo and support him through his struggles. Hand in hand, kumbaya. He is our number two driver. That's safe. I have come Can't to realize. Can't be said about all of the red bull drivers no no it can't and and i'm gonna get in the way your segue real quick just because i forgot to include this earlier um i have come to realize that my bold prediction which i did not deliver because i'm an idiot uh is not very bold at all i just had checo struggling again and failing to get to q3 um but i i want to call it audible real quick because i'm thinking back to the most recent race and the fact that it was wet through quality a haas makes it into q3 for two races in a row there you go but yes, Sean, as you said, uh, not everybody in the Red Bull system, if you will, is uh, looked upon so favorably by one helmet, Marco, who did not uh, pull any punches when asked this week about the, the progress or lack thereof of one Nick DeVries and his place on the AlphaTauri team, saying that 
him and Christian did not see eye to eye when they decided to sign Nick DeVries. And Christian Horner did not think that they should sign him. And he's admitted now that, ah, I was probably wrong. He is probably right. We probably shouldn't have signed him. There's still like half the season left. Why More than just, that. Like, We're yeah. like a third of the way. Like, yeah, he's, he's a wa- dead man walking at this point, driving. What's going on here? Why would you say that? I love how painfully honest like some European cultures are. Like It's not considered rude if you're just calling it like you see it. And he goes on this podcast, Helmut Marco does, and basically just blatantly says like, yeah, I was probably wrong. Like talking about himself, but inadvertently saying, yeah, Nick DeVries has just been sucking this year. And now reportedly, Helmut Marco gave him until Spain to fix his shit and drive better. Spain has now come and gone, and Nick DeVries hasn't fixed his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not even so close. what do you do with this guy? There's also a report out there that they have offered the seat already to Daniel Ricardo, and that Daniel Ricardo is open to returning to Alpha Tauri. One week more on that in a second. More on that. More on that in a second. One one weekend. Just one one, one one story at a time. One one helmet Marco story at a time. Your reaction, though, Katie, on this is Nick DeVries a dead man walking scenario? Man, like helmet has always been so ruthless. But like what he said about Nick DeVries, it just feels so cruel. Like it feels like we're like 10 minutes into the season. Also, he's selling out Christian Horner in such a big way. <laughs> like that man can't go one day without like an absolutely wild quote. And then today he's also talking about um, Alex Albon and he's blaming Lewis for his confidence struggles. And it's like, man, you didn't give him enough time to regain it. And he's talking about how like, oh, P2 and a win were on the table, but it was all Lewis's fault. It's like, man, if you know that potential was there and it was an outside factor that affected it, why did you let him go? Like, it just feels like he's so ruthless and there's not a lot of accountability with it. I'm just... Every time that man speaks, he's just being so wild. And speaking about what he spoke about this week as well, um, we keep saying, you know, Nick DeVries is in trouble at Alpha Towery. Daniel Ricardo might take his seat next year at Alpha Towery. Turns out none of that's happening because Alpha Towery ain't going to be around next year. Uh, Red Bull is dropping the Alpha Towery name. They are dropping the sponsorship. I mean, honestly, who can afford a $300 hoodie? And if you're going to buy a $300 hoodie, is it really going to be a Red Bull hoodie? No. no that lower third just killed me. <laughs> for, those, <laughs> for those not watching and only listening, it's, it says, Helmet Marco hates Alpha Towery and fashion. In it's really funny, too, because my girlfriend works in fashion and she now works in sports merchandising and fashion and she always bashed alpha towery she was like this is cheap crap for sold for 300 dollars. why would anyone buy this this is dumb and she like she <laughs> hates alpha towery because of that reason uh but so they're going to get rid of the alpha towery name uh we hardly knew you 2020 to 2023 and a race win with pierre gasly um the the what the did bigger we just takeaway, do though what did you do the bigger takeaway though is whatever they're going to be called if they go back to toro rosso uh which i would love um or if they just they honestly might just want to call themselves red bull too because ew, what helmet marco ew. said what helmet marco said is shit. 
<laughs> I don't want to be associated with that. No. So what Helmut Marko said in this interview was that there is going to be closer cooperation than ever before between um, Faenza and between Milton Keynes. They are going to return to being a full-fledged junior team. And they never really admitted that, oh, you know, Toro Rosso, it's not a junior team. Terry, it's a sister team. They're like, nah, this is going to be a full-fledged junior team. He used the words junior team. They are going to work extremely close together uh, on designing the car, on designing the floor. There is going to be more cooperation than ever before between whatever Toro Rosso or Alpha Tauri is going to be called next year and Red Bull Racing. They are going to keep the shop in Italy, but they are going to move large parts of it to the UK. So essentially, you're going to have nine teams and then Red Bull Jr. It looks like, um, according to Wikipedia, when they were trying to um, move the team, change ownership, uh, including the terms of the deal with Red Bull was the clause that the team must keep its headquarters in Italy until at least the 2007 season. And I think they just kind of stuck with it. So it sounds like that's dead and they could do it if they want to. It's just a matter of whether they do it or not. If it's a sister team, that would make a lot of sense, right? Like, let's get our development in house. Let's get them the best facilities possible. Let's really put them on a track to be developed. But like, they developed good drivers without it. Max Verstappen, um, uh, Carlos Sainz was one uh, uh, that that started in Toro Rosso. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, another one. Like, they've done this before. So um, maybe it does produce somebody good because right now they're nothing. Like they're they're what Haas was, what Williams was essentially that what, what, um, Alfa Romeo was like, they're never a threat really. And, and it doesn't help that the drivers aren't doing the best job either. Hi, Carl. Uh, Sorry, Carl's <laughs> dreaming. <laughs> dreaming of race wins for whoever, whatever this team's name. That's what it no, is. No, in his dream, he just went, Yuki Sonoda is not nothing. <laughs> here, here is the direct quote from Helmut Marco. He said, there will be new sponsors and also a new name. The orientation is clear based on Red Bull Racing as far as the regulations allow. Do-it-yourself constructions are the wrong way. Um, he goes on to say, if I can find... Uh, here you go. Here's the quote. The cooperation with Red Bull Racing will be closer, also in terms of cost cap and synergies. Basically, they are going to try and make the car better to give their young drivers that they put in these cars better opportunities to score points and you know build confidence. It seems like they're kind of revamping their junior program a little bit, so they're not just throwing these young drivers into a meat grinder and go, all right, well, you're back in like P17, P18, but the car is crap. Uh, but, oh, well, we're just going to sign someone like Sergio Perez anyway. It sounds like they're really going to try and develop the next generation because Max isn't going to be here forever. Isn't it fun how winning a couple drivers championships and winning a constructor championship suddenly changes your perspective? And it's like, oh, we can afford to put some resources into the other team. Like, we've won it a couple times now. We're back on top, baby. We're the kings. Let's start developing the next generation instead of going all in on one championship. It's fun, right? It's going to at least make it more interesting. All right. Um, well, we got through the podium predictions. We got through everything else. But there is still one more headline that we have to get to. Uh, Katie, I thought you had the great title of the week with this. Would you like to read it out? <laughs> Ryan Renault's Ryan and Rob buy into Alpine. Because <laughs> they used to be Renault. You know, you, people will get it. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll get it. <laughs> and this is the Gridiron podcast where the grid is, you know, F1, the iron is football. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, look at that us. Taste. We're all about explaining stuff here on this podcast. <laughs> the, uh, Jokes are the funniest but, when you explain them. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and, and Sean's had to explain two to me today, so that's that tells you where we are. Uh, the owners of the famed Wrexham Football Club is that what it is? Something Wrexham like AFC. What does the A stand for? I think athletic. So it's Wrexham Athletic Football Club, I believe. That makes sense. I'm going horse. So you, you continue this. Uh, well, I was just going to say, this is cool. Ryan Reynolds tried to lead a consortium to buy the Ottawa Senators. Uh, that didn't work out. So I think him and Rob just kind of took their investments from Wrexham and said, hey, let's buy into Alpine. I didn't know this, but uh, these F1 teams, they're not valued as much as I thought they would be. In the article I read, it said Alpine is valued at $800 million. That's how much like an NFL team was in 1998. Yeah. For for yeah. example, the Washington <laughs> football commander teams just sold for $6 billion, probably a couple billion over market. But at the same time, you know, teams are going for so much. And when they value these teams, they're probably going to get more than the asking price. Well, I think it's, it's like a the real product, estate market in the U.S. right now. Yeah, I think it's a product of um, they spend so much money on trying to compete that they I think most teams operate at a loss, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that would make sense why the value is not there, because it, from a business perspective, you're not turning a massive profit from owning part of this. You're it's trying like to a- sell a product. It's a it's a marketing campaign. You're trying to sell Alpines. You're trying to sell an energy drink. Advertise stuff. Yeah. Advertise. Advertising, stuff. baby. Uh, <laughs> this is cool, though. Hopefully we see them at the track more. Um, it, it, it's not like they're taking over the team like they were at Wrexham. Like that's a really cool story in of itself because they transformed that team and that town and it's going to probably win promotion next year. I love the show that they made on Hulu, Welcome to Wrexham. Hopefully, are we going to get a Welcome to Endstone or something? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, I, I think, I, honestly, this should have been at the beginning of the show for Do You Give a Damn? I kind of don't because I don't think it's going to be that big of a... I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think they're going to show up to a couple of races and some Alpine gear, and that's really going to be it. Renault still owns Alpine. And Martin Brundle's going to have new people to talk to on his pit walk, and it's not going to be Megan the Stallion. So that's cool. I mean, it'll be somebody <laughs> different. still won't know anybody's name. <laughs> no. It'll be like, what show are you in? Always Sunny in, in where? In where? Pen- Pennsylvania? What's, what's that about? No. <laughs> All right. Well, now Man, we're much, Red Bull. How much better is Alpine than the Ottawa Senators? <laughs> Like one to one, or just Ottawa so Center, much. We're going Alpine. <laughs> I think it's so great, though. A Canadians are just taking over the world, and I just love that for us. But on Welcome to Wrexham, my one of my favorite parts is the dynamic well, between American, Rob and so. Ryan. Like Ryan is so like I, I just talk about them as if I know them. Um, he's so like calm and level headed and really grounded. And then Rob McElhaney is just wild and he's like standing up and he's pulling his hair out and he's just like so visibly stressed. And I just picture like when Pierre Gasly fires it into the wall, I would just like a live cam on Rob McElhaney at all times. Cause these are different numbers. Like I remember when they went through and obviously they're a stake in it. They're not the entire company, but I remember when the field had, or sorry, the pitch had to be redone on that show and they were so stressed out about the cost of it. And they went through all of that with them and just, there's so much money involved oh, with yeah. a car going into the wall that I just think it like if they did a behind the scenes show, it would do so well. Yeah. I it's agree. almost, yeah. You think a behind the scenes F1 show would do well. Yeah. Not really? <laughs> what a, what a One concept. specifically for what those your, What two. was your first clue? Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe they'll even tap into the American audience. 
You guys are so funny. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Last segment of the day. Hate it or love it. What's your hate, Katie? My hate is the sprint format. Yeah, um, I'm there. not a big fan of the sprint to begin with. I like the racing weekend as is. I like my Friday practice. I like my Saturday quality, the race on Sunday. I watch every minute of all of it. I just find this format is a little bit hard to keep track of. It's the, it's just especially infuriating and confusing with the qualies being on different days. And I liked the sprint better last year where the sprint was quality for the race, but I'm, I'm just not big on it. I'm fine if the sprint race would be just its own thing. Like qualifying is qualifying. Then you have the sprint race and you award points for the top six. Like I'd be fine with that. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it's just really weird how they do it now. Um, my hate is... When people take up way too much space in a small gym. Oh, Sean, you I have a like lot I've... of issues with your gyms. The it's, gyms it's change a very and the problems high... remain. It's, it's a very high stress environment. But no, I was working out of my apartment gym today and there's a personal trainer who lives in the building and she like has clients come over who don't live in the building, which I mean, it's probably not technically allowed. But I mean, whatever, you know, I'm not going to knock someone's side hustle. Well, I will knock your side hustle when in this small gym, the size of, you know, like an apartment. I mean, that's probably what it's taking up the space of. Uh, I, I will knock it if, you know, there's like six people in there. One of them is your client and you are taking up both sides of the TRX machine, the Smith's machine. You've laid a mat down in the middle of the floor, which connects like one half of the gym to the other. The only way you can walk between one half of the gym to the other. And then we have two benches in our gym and she pushed the benches together to form one super bench. And I'm like, you, you can't take up all of this space. You can't take up 60% of the gym when there's five other people in here trying to work out and say, okay, good luck everybody else. Like that's just not, and I don't want to go to the office and be like, hey, Narc. maybe you should, yeah, maybe you should tell this Narc. personal trainer. Exactly. I said I didn't want to do it, but I mean, if she keeps Narc. doing it. You're like, thinking about, um, but there was I'm, a but. I knew there was going to be a but, about, you but I'm thinking about it because I, I run into this problem every week and she's been very nice up until today when I was like, hey, can I use this side of the machine? And you could tell like she was like annoyed that I asked and she hasn't been annoyed before. I think it's been enough times where I've asked. I'm like, look, I work out at 11 o'clock on Wednesdays. I live here. That guy doesn't. So I don't care what he's paying you. Take him to a Planet Fitness. He doesn't even go here. He literally doesn't even go here. Sean, if you were to get your way, how would you react? Um, How would I react? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be happy. Like I said, I'm not going to like tell on her. I'm not going to be a tattletale. But I probably it's, it's coming to the point where I'm... I, gonna have to say hey like there's other people here you can't take up all of this space like in a small gym in an apartment gym if you're using more than one piece of equipment that's a little suspect she was using four that's that can't happen i would think that you might uh would, would it be a laugh that might be sinister or maybe something like uh <laughs> do you do that again excellent excellent do you one more time 
<laughs> Nick, you. you're just crushing it with the drops today. That's you doing that. Uh, Kumi hops in. Thank you for watching, Kumi. He says, plot twist. She owns the nearby gym and is funneling frustrated gym goers there to her spot. Look, Possible. man, we're all fighting for the same space, man. You know, uh, Big B says we need a segment where Sean, Sean just complains about things he dislikes. Well, I mean, have you <laughs> that listened? is this segment. This have, is what we do. I talk about you, what I podcast. Hate. You asked me. Have you listened to the Gridiron podcast before? All right. Um, <laughs> step into my. Uh, Whoa, the my, light. Uh, step, in, step into my den here. Fancy back there, Nick. In front of the fireplace here as we sit down and I tell you exactly what is so terrible about it my hate this week have you ever caught a cold have you ever thought it might be covid perhaps yes. sinus infection have you ever had a significant other get sick and hum her way through her sleep bridget and i caught colds uh we think we know who we got it from uh last week and it, they were long running colds and um when bridget gets sick she hums in her sleep and and I don't think she's watching, and if she is, she'll probably be very upset that I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, when she's sick, she goes, when she inhales, she's like, and then she exhales, and she goes, uh, and sometimes it sounds like she's in pain, like, uh, and sometimes it's like, uh, and sometimes it's hilarious. Like, I'm not kidding you. I was laying in bed the other night taking a video just because it was funny, and then she woke up shortly thereafter, and I played it for her, and she started laughing. You know, there's humor in everything, right? What? Can, can you play it for us now? Yeah, make it a drop for the next pod. I was gonna say I could probably put it in the post because like it's it's legit incredible. Like I have to, I would have to turn the sound up here, but we're gonna try it real quick here right now. Let's see if it works. <laughs> nah, I can't hear it. Oh, you didn't hear it? Yeah, it's Turn not. It right it's not up. fun. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, and I, I felt bad for her because she was sick. But it also kept me up to the point where I had to go sleep on the couch one night. So I hate getting sick and I hate losing sleep over getting sick. And I also, Katie, you know, I hate the wildfires going on in Canada because we get instant reminders of it just from the smoke here. And you have to imagine like, God, it's going to be terrible up there. So those are my hates this week. Yeah, it's bad. Pro bad, tip, bad, bad. when you are sick, do you have a spare like bedroom? Do you have a guest room? Well, that's the funniest part about this whole thing. Sunday, I came back from Northwest Ohio. My grandparents gave me their old queen mattress in Box Springs, and I moved it into the basement because we don't really want to put it in our other bedroom right now. We're kind of keeping that as a flex space. And then that night, I have to go sleep on the couch. I was saying, yeah, that pro tip, man. We have we have our guest bed set up right next to me. Anytime I'm sick, I immediately move to the guest room to kind of like quarantine myself like you yeah. know because like i i don't want to pass it on if I, you're probably going to get it anyway but when you are sick there's you just don't want to worry about the person next to you mm -hmm. you don't want to worry about keeping them up by snoring or coughing you just want to be in your own space and it is the best thing in the world humble so brag that everybody's in a relationship and has a guest room oh jeez <laughs> i uh, she's in oakland now i hope she gets better I to um, this. You've, you've carl yeah that's right but companion. we snuggle when I'm sick because he can't get my sickness, so it's okay. Not yet. COVID. Not yet. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, what's your <laughs> mom? Get away from me. What's your love, Katie? Um, have you guys seen the show Breakpoint? It's like the Drive to Survive of yeah. tennis. Yeah. Oh. It's back. It's super good. The second half of the season was released. For anybody that hasn't seen it, it is amazing. There, you know, they I'm just. What's up? I said, I'm going to change my hate. Uh, I'm going to go. I hate all of the. Oh, uh, hate is so lengthy. 
The the. Yeah. No, you're out of time. Sean, we've been recording for four and a half hours. <laughs> I'm sweating because we've been here so long. I was going to say, I hate all of the Drive to Survive knockoffs. We've got Tennis Drive to Survive. We've got NASCAR Drive to Survive. IndyCar Drive to Survive. We've got PGA it. Drive to Survive. They're it's all amazing. Too many Drive to Survives. They're all good. Like, have they're you the watched same Full production swing? team, but they're not yeah. the same show. Full they're different sports. Sean, it's Full good swing for the Yeah, we're ganging up on you. Yeah. We both thought about it with the gym comments. Bullying is not allowed on the Gridiron Podcast, folks. Yeah, well, eh, you're going to bully yeah, that Two against right one. I didn't... Yeah, let's gang up on him. Jeez. <laughs> Get him. <laughs> it's just a really good show. They had like I liked watching tennis, but I feel like now I love it. I have more context into the game and I just tennis is such an interesting one. Golf too, it works because these are very very mental sports. We're so much of it about it as your headspace. Like team sports are cool. I think hard knocks is great, but I love watching the headspace of individual sport. I think it's really interesting. All right, what's your love, Sean? Uh, my love is I like finding, and I think I've said this before, but I like finding new beers to try, and I found one this week that I really like. It is called Wet Candidate uh, from uh, Cigar City Brewing here in Tampa. It, I don't know if you're going to find it outside of the city, but if you do, I would highly recommend it. It's a pre-prohibition Pilsner, and it just has like this cool history lesson about like how, you know, before prohibition, when people were fighting it, uh, there were wet candidates who were in favor of, you know, common sense liquor laws and basically didn't want prohibition to happen. But I love my history and I like my beer. So finding a beer that combines the two, I love that. Welcome to History Hour with Sean Barry. Settle in. You're in for quite a tale. As I uh, crack my 10th beer. Welcome to History Hour. Uh. <laughs> That's drunk Actually, history. Actually, that show Drunk History is amazing. Yeah, they already mm. do that. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Great show. <laughs> Uh, my, my favorite love. was actually when Katie Nolan did it. Yes, I agree. I agree. That that show is always entertaining. Speaking my love my is, uh, yeah. Tell me about it. When someone follows through on a request, um, I'm working on a story. Thank you, Carmen. Yeah, actually, it wasn't even about Carmen, but thank you, Carmen. You're the best. Um, thank you, Carmen. <laughs> I'm working on a story I have enshrinement weekend for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I've been calling a one certain player's many former teammates and. You know, you play phone tag, they don't get back to you, whatever. So a couple weeks pass by, you got like two guys so far, you need a lot more than that. I'm driving to the jeweler yesterday with Bridget to pick up her engagement ring that was getting resized. Yes, it took me almost a year to get it resized. Get off my back. Uh, and we go to a Dunkin' Donuts. Judging you. We're not judging you. It was Better, you're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, get, you got a spare oh, room and you're oh. engaged. We get it. Um, and we're driving back and I stop off at Dunkin' Donuts because, like I said, lack of sleep this week due to sickness. Um, and I get a coffee. And as I put, I put the order and I pull up and she hands me my coffee and then she's still making Bridget's uh, matcha latte. And so I'm sitting there waiting and my phone rings and I'm like, oh, I know that number. That's so-and-so. I got to answer this, put it on speaker and immediately start the interview. And then she hands me the cup. And so I'm like, told him, I was like, oh, I'm at, by the way, I'm at a drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts right now. He's like, all right, there you go. So my love is just that when someone follows through because the interview was great and it helps you out with my story. And I've had a lot of people do that in the last few days. And it helps you mentally, you know, when you're working through oh, something like that. Oh, I people call me back for stories. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm Sean. I go out and do it's a cool story every day. Dude, it's been a problem. It's been a real problem for me like the last like week and a half where I'm like, I don't have a story today. Why? I've Dude, called four people. No one's called back. Yeah, I don't know. the anxiety is so Dude, I, bad. 
Oh God! It, did I offend someone? Does my breath stink? Like, why aren't you calling yeah. me back, people? Yeah, it's terrible. So the relief of that is what I really love. The relief of like, oh, thank God, one more person checked off yes. the list. This is actually going to be something. Okay. Whenever That's I good. hear my work phone ring or chime, I'm like, I have a story. That's it's the best sound in the world. It's like um, uh, the, the clip of those fans in the bar where they're all like freaking out at the same time because of what's on the screen. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> this, this is how I freak out. You know, it's like, woo, freak out. Raise the roof, A reminder, you can watch us on YouTube and Twitch to see what we just did. It's not really exciting, but you might be missing out on what could be perceived as an inside joke. And that is going to do it for episode seven of the gridiron podcast really long if you stuck with us through the end thank you you probably listen to the podcasts that i listen to that are super long and you do it in bits thank you again huge thank you to carmen vitale from fox sports she's fantastic she did a great job on our show she brought in another element that i think was very welcome and and honestly pretty needed and she gave us some fantastic insight on the nfc north we will continue our camp preview series with our next podcast next week we'll also give you an austria race recap a lot to look forward to things are starting to speed up as we head toward july i don't know if i have anything else to say guys happy race week happy race week in austria see you on the podium lando yeah see you yeah you know what good night good night canada You're doing amazing good night canada and as he says oh and always 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 yeah something about keeping life in the fast lane i don't know we're an hour and a half into this thing good night Bye.